Myself situated here. Good evening, everybody. So tonight we're going to be in the letters for the most part. We'll begin in uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. If you want to start turning there as I get my technology to act right. Many of you know uh, who I am. My name is Roberto Sanchez. Many of you knew my family, uh, my wife, Jackie, uh, who I'll probably be referring to a couple of times and is probably watching from Colorado. Uh, and then my sons and my daughters that you see uh, running around uh, here. And some of you don't know who I am at all. Uh, some of you may be visiting today, and this might be just maybe the sec first, second, or third time you've been here. Uh, the question that I have been given to be able to preach from God's Word or talk from God's Word and from my life about is, how does the gospel affect my marriage? And the truth is, is that my wife and I, believe it or not, we've been married 16 years, which some of you have probably been married for like 20, 30 years, and you're looking at me like, 16 years? I thought you were 16. <laughs> but we've been married 16 years. I got married when I was 19 years old, and uh, we, we were both the same kind of person in terms of we never really wanted to go clubbing and things like that, even before we were saved. Uh, we just really uh, were two, uh, uh, one of the things that we had in common was that we were just serious about one day wanting to have a family and wanting to be in a relationship like that, and we knew that that was special, and so that's kind of who we were. We met in the Air Force at Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City uh, as we were both serving active duty there, and that's just a little bit about me. When I consider this question, though, and when we consider this question about how does the gospel affect my marriage, we really can't go too far without understanding that the gospel is essential to our marriage because the gospel is the power that saved us and the gospel is the power that keeps us. And that's really going to be the tone of tonight from the scripture is why we're starting in Romans 1 uh, verse 16 to 17 because we can't go too far from that, really, ever. It's the beginning and the end of the story and everything in between. The gospel is what saved us, and the gospel is what keeps us. And so the topic really has to begin here with a definition of what the gospel is. Because if we don't know what the gospel is or what the gospel does or what the gospel has done in our own life, then it will have zero effect on our life and zero effect in our marriages. We have to know what it is. And so to answer this question, what is the gospel? I want scripture to answer that for us because scripture is the place that we go to for answers about everything. I always tell students and anybody that, that has an ear and, and asks me for any type of advice, listen, for, for everything in life, God has an answer. 
And so Paul, who penned the letter to the Romans, writes this in Romans 1, verses 16 to 17. He gives us a definition of the gospel. You can read along with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith uh, to faith as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. And so Paul gives us at the very least two things that are that are uh, a good definition for us or a good foundation for us to understand what the gospel is and what it means not only to us, but to our marriages. And these two things are the following. In verse 1, he tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. So we know that it's at least that. And it's secondly, at least, the gospel is the power of God for living by faith. In other words, Paul is telling us the gospel is the beginning and the end, not only to your vertical relationship with God, but your horizontal relationship. This is especially true about marriage. Notice this, though, in verse 16. It's not, uh, we, we don't have access to the power of the gospel just freely. And, w- and what I mean by that, if I may, is that there's a condition to this. See, Paul says that the, God, the, the, the power of God for salvation is to everyone who believes. So the condition is, is this, this, friends. The gospel is given to us freely by God. He has done everything that we need. He has lived the life that we couldn't live. He's died the death that we rightfully deserve. And he is risen again. But we cannot have access to the power that our marriages need without believing. See, we need to believe in the gospel. We need to believe in what Jesus has done for it to have any effect on our life. So that's the condition We must believe in the power of God for salvation in order for it to have any effect on our life. Why do we need the gospel for our marriages? Our marriages will only go as far as the source of power that fuels them. The eternal power of God is the infinite life source, not only for my salvation, Paul is reminding us here, but it's also for our marriages. It keeps us. Jesus is always not only saving us from the pit of hell and the certainty of that, but he's always making us to persevere. The gospel is not just, you know, the beginning and the end once you and I say yes to Jesus and no to hell. No, the gospel is the power to live. This is why we need, if we're going to talk about the effects of the gospel for our marriages, we need the power of the gospel. That's what we need. We need the power of the gospel for our salvation and for our relationships. I want to tell you a quick little story about a time that I ran out of fuel. It's pretty interesting, and my wife would probably laugh at me. In fact, she knows what I'm about to say right now, and she's probably going to laugh at me. But we lived in Oklahoma. As I said, we were stationed there uh, at Tinker Air Force Base, and we had a white Nissan little minivan that, that we had at the time. And I was running, uh, was running around town uh, on, on this particular day, and I kept on looking at the gas tank, and the gas tank was on E. And I just kept on saying, ah, oh, you know, 
I need gas, but I'll make it. I just got to go here first. And I just kept driving around, and that thing was now, now it wasn't just on E, but the gas tank, the light came on. And I said, I just got one more thing to do. I'll just go ahead and do that, and then, you know, then I'll go get gas. I'm really close. I mean, look, in Oklahoma, you got to understand, I'm just going to justify myself real quick. In Oklahoma, there's a 7-Eleven and a Baptist church on every corner. So I knew no matter what, I was close to gas, okay? But on this day, I pull in to pick up my mom at, a, at her doctor's appointment. And right there, as I'm waiting in the nice air-conditioned uh, van, this car makes a sound like... And then it just turns off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? I never heard that before. I ran out of fuel. (laughs) I ran out of fuel. And the thing is, is that what we have to understand is that's who we really are when we're not living in the power of the gospel, both in our personal relationships and in our marriages. We run out of fuel. We need the power of the gospel every day to be able to live the life that God has called us to live. And and we can't do that on our own. See, it took God, think about this, it took God himself to send his one and only son to die for you and I on the cross. How do we think that somehow we can depart from what has already happened that is the most basic thing to our faith? If we need God's power to save us, we certainly need God's power to keep us. The power of God is not like the fuel that was fueling my car that day. The power of God is eternal and will never run dry as you and I commit ourselves to allowing God to be the one who fuels and guides our character and our desires. We will have everything that we need in every relationship, including our marriage. Because, listen, I learned this a long time ago, thankfully. Because what rules our heart determines our behavior. What rules our heart determines the things that we do. If we're ruled by anything else, if we're fueled by anything else, that will rule our decisions, that will rule our choices, and it will ruin our relationships, especially our marriage. Because what rules our heart determines our behavior. And if our hearts are not ruled by the power of the gospel, then we are foolish Because we're simply doing what I was doing that day in Oklahoma. We're riding around in a life without the eternal power of God. We're riding around in a life with a gas tank that's on E, expecting to produce power that we simply are not equipped with. I was a fool that day. And we would be fools to think that somehow our marriages could survive without the very power of God that saved us to keep us. We're riding around on E, expecting to produce power that we simply are not equipped with when we don't live life according and filled by the power of the gospel. The power of God is essential for our marriages. Before we move on, and I give some practical things here from Scripture uh, about uh, uh, answering this question about how does the gospel actually affect my life. I want us to go back to the garden because I want you to understand how, how essential the power of the gospel really is and what it has done. In the garden, beginning in uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, 
we see that things were perfect for all the world and for mankind, including the relationship uh, between our uh, genealogical parents, Adam and Eve. Beginning at verse 26, and I'm kind of going to skip around a little bit, but you will see here. Beginning at verse 26, God says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Skipping to 28. Verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31, or the the latter part of verse 30, and it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. See, the interesting thing that's happening here for us to really understand why we need the power of the gospel of our life and why it is so essential and why apart from it we really can't succeed And apart from the power of God, we really can't do anything. And there's really no effect to our life to help us thrive. To get that picture, we go back to the garden to see that we're looking at a world right now, if you can imagine, at this point in human history, where where man himself and woman herself are made by the power of God. They, uh, God, by his power, gave them authority and dominion and gives them their purpose in life and how they're going to relate to each other. By his power, uh, by God's power, man is given a clear purpose. And this purpose, in great part, not only, but in great part, is to be carried out within the marriage of our genealogical parents, Adam and Eve. But see, this is what happens. See, Satan comes in and, and he says, oh, I got something better for you than the power of God. Why don't you just do things in your own power? Why don't you just do things in your own wisdom? You know, why not just stop submitting to the power of God in your life? You know, I know that you've been here and you know that God by his power made you and God by his power did all of these things. But you know what? Why don't you just leave that behind? And that's where everything went wrong. And this is where the rescue mission began. Because what happens is that the the fall reverses everything that's good about God's design. See, everything was good. And then when he talks about man and woman and he's giving them dominion and he's giving them purpose. He says that it's very good. And it's the only time that he says that in creation about His whole creation. And so there's something about man and there's something about woman and there's something about how God wants to glorify himself uh, as as they live uh, according to his design as image bearers of him in marriage and having dominion and ruling over the earth that he is giving them. There's something special about that. And we are robbed from it in the Garden of Eden by Satan himself and really by their own foolish decisions. There's no excuse. The fall reverses God's design. Man begins to turn to his own power rather than God's power. 
Man and his wife, along with all of God's creation, suffer the consequences of their choices and their, re- their relationships effectively run out of fuel. Some of us are here today, or some of us may know someone whose relationships have just effectively run out of fuel. And they've run out of fuel because they've run out of, they, they either A, do not have the power of God and the power of the gospel to, to revive them and preserve them and sustain them and direct them, or they've walked away from it. When Adam and Eve chose uh, their power over God's power, they lost all power to thrive. That is what's going on here. The Bible reminds us that there was enmity now between uh, the, the husband and the wife. She will desire to rule over him, all of those things, right? Isn't this the thing, the thing that happens within our relationships sometimes? It's been the same from this point on. And there's, there's a rescue mission that has taken place to take back our marriages. And it begins with taking you back and I back. It begins when we finally submit to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in our own life. And we're image bearers and reflectors of that within our relationships. And we don't, get, and we don't grow tired of the power that saved us because we know that it's also the power that keeps us. Some examples of how the gospel affects uh, our marriages are the following as we kind of wrap some of these things up together. And, and before, uh, before I say uh, anything going forward, I wanted to share this, and I know my wife is, is okay with it, because she and I really do believe that our life is a testimony to the power of the gospel, not only to save us, but to keep us and to transform us. See, a lot of you, you see us and you think perhaps, oh, man, that's a beautiful family. And that's true. My wife is very beautiful. You're right. But it took so much hurt to get there. It took so much humility to finally submit to the rule and reign of Jesus in in my own life as a man and also in her own life as as a woman. We we didn't have examples of uh, of godly parents that showed us Uh, what it looks like to really work this out. We didn't have anybody living, you know, the power of the gospel in their own lives, any saved people around us that said, hey, growing up, that we could look to and say, oh, wow, this is what it really looks like, huh? Okay, I'll replicate that. Instead, what we were replicating was all the bad habits and toxic behaviors that we were taught. But see, this is the reality. The power of the gospel made me, for example, from an angry man to a man that had peace and was peaceable in the home. It made Jackie, my wife, from from a woman that was angry at me and constantly in strife to a woman that sought peace in the home. And there's only one way that that radical change happens. And let me tell you, there is people in our life that have seen us before we were saved and after we were saved. And it is nothing short than the power of God that has put us in the position that we're in where we're enjoying the peace that we have both with one another, with our children, and anywhere that we may be. He radically transformed our our heart and he opened our eyes. Some of the most 
uh, basic things about the power of the gospel and how it can affect your marriage. If you choose to believe, remember the condition. If you choose to believe, according to Paul, number one is this. The power of the gospel permeates my heart with God's mercy. The power of the gospel permeates my heart with God's mercy. Listen to what Paul tells the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, the gospel, what Paul is trying to show us here and what we need to understand is that the gospel changes everything for the believer's marriage because the gospel points you and I back to the most crucial point and moment in our life. When you and I realized, if you're saved, if you're a believer walking with Jesus today, the gospel points us back to the most crucial moment in our life when we realize that God is our greatest need and that his mercy is our greatest need and that he met that need. When we realize that, it changes our lives and then it changes everything about every relationship, including our marriage. Come on, you remember You remember when you gave your life to Christ, when you noticed the reality of what Paul has just talked about here? When you realized the mercy of God for yourself, that once you were an enemy and now you're a friend, as he would say, that you were alienated, but now you have life? Do you remember? Gosh, if you're struggling in your marriage, this is the power that you need. The very power that saved you when you realized his mercy. In verse 5 of this very text, we realize that God finds us, ready, more than just unfaithful. He finds us dead in our trespasses, the Bible says. When something is dead, there is no longer anyone that could revive it. We know that, right? I remember when I was a kid and my little sister, we had these, uh, these fish that we were taking care of and it was supposed to be my uh, turn to uh, feed the fish a particular uh, weekend uh, that she was going to be gone. And unfortunately, I didn't. And you can imagine the fish did not survive. And believe me, if I could revive it, I would. But it wasn't going to happen. And I didn't even have time to buy a replacement fish. When something is dead, there's nothing that could revive it. And Paul is showing us that this is the condition that God finds us in when we see and taste of his mercy for the first time. But God finds the believer in this position, right? And instead of, instead of condemning us, Paul would say and Paul would remind us that when you and I were saved, when God finds us in this position, he lavishes eternal life on us. Well, that's something. That's something. And therefore, since I have tasted God's mercy and he has found me unfaithful to him and dead to him, and instead of condemning me, has lavished his mercy and lavished eternal life on me, and not only that, has seated me with him. Wow. See, 
Therefore, I now have the motivation and the power to lavish mercy on my wife when she is most undeserving. And and my wife, as a believing wife, she has the power to lavish mercy on me when I am most undeserving because we've tasted mercy. We know it well. It's the power that saved us. See, this is what Jesus does. He, He comes into our life and he radically gives his mercy to us and it changes everything. The very power of God that saved you and I, excuse me, the very power of God that saved you and I from certain death will give our marriages a tone of mercy. And can I say we really need that? Because everybody else in, in society right now, the world is always, com, you know, competing. There's always marriages. You know, I've, I've heard people say, and I've learned this lesson well, well, you know what? If she gives this, I'll give that. Or if she does this, I'll do that. Well, no, Jesus, he's, he says the opposite. He says, no, you know what? I'm going to find you undeserving, and I'm going to lavish mercy on you. And if you believe that very power can not only rescue you, it can rescue perhaps a broken marriage, a really rough season that you're in, if you capture the glimpse of what God has done for you already. And if you're here today and you're not a believer and you're saying, I've never tasted mercy, then maybe you needed to hear that you can begin that today. It is what you need. It is what I need. We cannot thrive apart from the power of the gospel. So we learn that the power of the gospel permeates my heart, and uh, it permeates my heart with God's mercy. Number two, the power of the gospel produces good character, and we need that in our marriages. Whether you're a man or a woman here today that is married, or whether you're a young person that is going to get married at some point in the future, know this, you need the power of the gospel to produce good character, and that is an effect of the gospel that cannot be ignored. Right. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians four, verse twenty-five to thirty-two. He gives in two in two verses. In verse twenty-five, he uses the phrase "put away," and then he uses the same phrase again in verse thirty-one. And he lists a certain certain number of things that happens as a result of you and I being transformed by the power of the gospel in our own lives. And he says this: "Put away falsehood." Let each one of you speak the truth. I'm kind of going to skip around here. 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger no, uh, and give no opportunity uh, to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal and so on and so on. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See how it's all attached to what God has done? See how all of these things that we now have access to, that we now uh, can, can be like Christ, we can be image bearers like Christ in these areas, it's all attached to the reality that the power of God has saved you and I. And therefore now we can do these things. We can have the very character of God. That is the power of the gospel. It produces this. It produces good character. And we need it, don't we? How many times have we gone to sleep upset or very angry at our spouse? What does that produce? Nothing but bitterness. 
But when you're tenderhearted and you allow the power of the gospel to work in your life, what that produces is radical forgiveness and radical humility. And let me tell you, our kids are seeing too. We're teaching them how to, how, how to interact with one another. And if we say that we believe in Jesus, but we do another thing, we're setting them up. But that is one of the effects. I remember when I was saved, my wife didn't really believe. She didn't believe that I was saved until she saw it. I was the first one to be saved in my home. And uh, I remember the day that I came and I said, I'm saved. I believed in Jesus for salvation. My wife said, okay. <laughs> she wanted to see it. But you know, you know what? As Ephesians reminds us here, the power of the gospel produced character in my life. And a mere two months later, when the buttons that she pushed didn't do anything but cause me to get on my knees and pray for her and pray for myself that I would be the husband that she needs and that God is calling me to, when she saw that, she said, I need that. And then she gave her life to Christ. That's the power of the gospel. Because Ezekiel would say this in, verse, uh, in chapter 36. This is what happens. My wife saw the effects of the power of God for salvation that Paul is reminding us. And in Ezekiel, this is what happens. He says, beginning at verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put... I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, God does all the work of salvation, and he does all the work of sanctification. He continues to help us persevere. We can never grow weary. The greatest effect of the gospel in our lives and in our marriages is his power. Is his continuing work in us. Thirdly, the power of the gospel informs my priorities. The power of the gospel informs my priorities. It says in Matthew uh, chapter 19, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. See, I, I brought this up because it was a big issue for Jackie and I. It may be for some of you out there today. Culturally speaking, this is something that was a big deal for Jackie and myself in our marriage. This idea of leaving and cleaving, of being each other's first priority after God, it's really not heard of in my particular culture. As a matter of fact, in my honor-shame culture, the, the family that I come from, the mom and dad that I come from, no, they come first and foremost, and then your wife, and then your husband. That's pretty hard, because what was happening is that we learned and tasted God's mercy. We were living in the power of the gospel. He was producing good character in us, but then we were going to our parents that were unsaved for advice. It doesn't work. It caused a lot of problems. So we really needed to know this, learn this principle well, so what did we do? Well, we grabbed a hold of people that were our parents in Christ. We basically said, you know what? We need to find somebody that's mature in God, 
that has succeeded in marriage and has leaned completely on all the things that the Bible is telling us that work and produces power in our relationship, and we need to have, have a real act of accountability with them and just let them be in our life and mentor us. So I would tell you here today, even if, you know, you're looking at me like, what does this young man know? I know everything because of the power of God in terms of this. I've seen it work. I've seen it work in our own life. We're not perfect, but, but we are so changed because of God's power. And because we started to keep it real, instead of smiling and saying, everything's okay. I remember the day that I really had to confront this. Jackie and I had had a really big fight. It was about midnight, and I decided to go blow off some steam and just go into a car in a parking lot and just calm down so that I could go back and maintain my composure. At this point, I was saved. I get a phone call, and it's my friend Marcel Jacques, my, my best friend in Christ. He's the one responsible for leading me to Christ. And I said, oh, my. Oh. He's only calling me because Jackie probably called him. And I thought, oh, my gosh, everybody in church is going to know that we fight and that I'm not a good guy. And Marcel said, meet me at the 24-hour diner off um, Interstate 35 where we lived in Oklahoma. He met me there, and he would later tell me, I was scared, brother. I thought that you were going to get angry at me and maybe fight me. But when I went in through that door, Marcel stood up, and like the tender-hearted man of God that he is, once again, I tasted God's mercy again. And he goes, he hugs me, and he says, brother, let me pray for you. Let me walk with you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but we know one that is. And he began that day to hold me accountable as a man of God to God's word. To this day, he is my closest accountability partner because he, I can tell him anything. I'm angry for this. And he, could, he has full right to tell me, Rob, you're being stupid and also not biblical. You need to, you know, uh, serve your wife better in this area or you're not being humble or you're blah, 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 whatever it is. We need that, guys. We can't be just hidden away. We're doing life together. It's why we gather as a church. It's why God has given us this great gift. And finally, once and for all, the power of the gospel helps me to persevere. And I'll just put it very, uh, as I close, I'll put it very succinctly. Paul himself in Philippians uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, he, seems, he sees himself as fully relying on God to keep him. He knows that that thing that happened on Damascus Road where he totally blinded me and saved me, and by that my eyes were opened and I tasted God's mercy for the first time, that thing, the power of God in my life that saved me, yeah, I need that today, and I'll need it tomorrow, and I'll need it the next day, because I can never grow tired of it, is what gives me the endurance that I need to be the man that God has called me to be. And we need that in our marriage. We need to be reminded of that. He sees it. He says in beginning of verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. 
And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. See, this is the thing. You see, when, when Paul says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, he always sees himself in light of who God is and what God has done. And that gives him the strength to persevere. That's what our marriages need. Instead of comparing ourselves to other people and other marriages and other relationships that, by the way, are having the same problems you're having and I'm having, we compare ourselves to the, to the perfection of our sweet Savior who saves us and keeps us and will continue to give us what we need every single day. And my friends, these are only some of the treasures and the effects of the gospel on our lives. And I pray that all of you will see that and know that and live that out. And if you're not, that you would be like many couples that have come before you, willing to be humble enough to allow other believers in your life that are mature and are living this out, as Paul would later on probably allude to in verses 17 and 18 of this very chapter. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to uh, the example you have seen in us. Oh, that we need that so that we can continue to keep the power of the gospel central in our lives and the effects of the gospel will continue to grow in you a heart that loves Jesus and will serve one another despite any suffering, despite any thriving, despite any season in life. You will have what you need because of the gospel. It's what saved you and what keeps you and myself as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much because you have given us the opportunity to see and understand once again that you have met our greatest need. And in meeting our greatest need, you have shown us that it is by your power that we have been saved and it is in your power that we continue to thrive and endure in this world and in our marriages. Lord, I do pray uh, that anyone that is present here today uh, would put their trust fully in you, fully to the extent that they're willing to remember the time that they tasted mercy for the first time and continue to let that be what gives them the strength and the power to have a marriage designed the way that you design it, God, that you would write their story, that you would write my story, God. We love you, God. Thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you for your church. In Jesus' name, amen.